Welcome to the Rap Knuckles podcast, episode 19, with me, Leith Monroe, and my co-host, Sam Tierney. Let's start things now. Episode 19. It feels like I've said episode 19 for the past, <laughs> well, three episodes, because I have, because we haven't <laughs> we haven't managed to get a recording out. Yeah. Um, if you've just joined us again, we are back. It's been a couple of months. It's been a minute. There's been a lot that's gone on, but this is an important, important episode as we talk about the AJ Usig aftermath. How are you, Sam? I'm really good. Um, good. Shocked. Shocked after the weekend. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack here, isn't there? There's a lot to unpack here. Right. I'm going to remain neutral and completely on the fence. Here is my observations. And I did say this in last week's podcast, but it's easy to say that now, even though we didn't get it out. But I did say that I don't, like AJ going into this fight where he was going to be slimmer and as the weigh-ins showed and even come fight night even his torso is different I just you made I think you made the point that with super AJ is probably not here anymore but I don't understand how somebody could be of a five inch reach advantage be four inches taller, be nearly 19 pounds heavier and isn't doing all those positive attributes that he's got over risk and not using that to his advantage. Instead, he chose to box with the best boxer in the division. Bizarre. But Yeah, it was a strange approach to all of it. And whilst we, we did... We're not just chatting shit here. We did actually unpack the strategies going into this fight last week, but we didn't get it out. But um, I tried to provide some context as to why it was he was slimming down. I didn't necessarily agree with what he was doing, and um, it 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 just shows us the strategy going into the fight from his corner, from him. Their whole approach was completely off. Um, I think whilst obviously Usyk, as he showed at the weekend, is an elite elite fighter. Um, and a very well-deserving heavyweight champ. It's almost as if they paid him too much respect um, and were more reactive than proactive in terms of how they were going to approach the fight, what their game plan was going to be. It was all very, seemed very dependent on what Usyk was going to turn up. Um, And I think they they paid the price throughout it because not not for one moment did a team like AJ have a proper foothold and look comfortable in the fight. Everything was done at Usyk's pace and he was the one that was allowed to impose himself on AJ when everyone, you know, assumed that it would be the other way around. AJ was more concentrating on what Usyk could do compared to what he can do. And I get it, you know, it's a two-way fight at the end of the day. You have to be mindful of your opponent, but... If you're not taking the centre of the ring and fully opposing yourself from the first round, he was always up against it. And, you know, again, as matter of fact as it is, I didn't want him to have to chase the fight by round 10. I knew that he was going to drop points early on, 
but eventually we get in his rhythm. And I did think by round five, maybe he'd started to get to grips and he, he, he started to, to find his way. But I probably gave him two rounds max. And I think that's being fair. Um, I just don't understand the one, the naivety from Rob McCracken and everybody that's involved with AJ to think that him trying to outbox somebody who has better footwork, who is a better tactician, who is a much, much smarter boxer and who cuts off angles. I mean, the, the angles that he was taking and going, I mean, he befuddled the, the guy on commentary on iPlayer, I listened to the podcast afterwards, said the word befuddled and bamboozled and two words that you were just absolutely spot on for the, how the night went. Um, I just don't understand why they felt that AJ needed to to be slimmed down and go the distance when really he's a battering ram. If you look at the top three in the heavyweight division, we'll take Usyk out of the, the, the equation at the moment, but Wilder has got the one-shot, kill-shot power, right? If he hits you with that right hand, you're done. Fury clearly is the boxer. He's got magical footwork and he's, you know, he's, he's for this, again, without sounding cliche like everybody says, but for a man his size, he shouldn't move the way he does. And then I've always thought that AJ, up until the Klitschko fight, well, after the Klitschko fight, was just a physical specimen who utilised his weight and physical prowess and put it on people. And if he got you hurt, there was no better finisher. And I include that with Wilder. I just think that when AJ sends, sends blood, that was it. But something's happened from the Ruiz fight where he, there is a confidence issue and I still go back to it. If the, that fight had lasted 15 seconds longer, the referee's stopping it. And his ability... I don't. Again, I'll take your steer on this as well. I don't think he's chinny in this in the, the literal sense, right? I think and feel that he is obviously susceptible, like you know, it's heavyweight boxing. But my viewpoint is when he does get hurt, out of boxers since probably Frank Bruno, he is absolutely the worst fighter at how he recovers from a fight, like from, from being hurt. He doesn't he doesn't choose to grab them. He doesn't choose to hug. He doesn't choose to grapple. He just goes into just overdrive where he starts doing the stanky leg <laughs> and he's just all over the place. I don't... Again, if that was me and I'm six foot six and I know I've been wobbled and I know I've been hurt, I'm doing everything in my power to hug the life out of that person and try and get the cobwebs off. He hasn't done that yet. He hasn't done it once, in fact. I can't even remember when when Dillian uh, White wobbled him back in 2017 now? 2015 it was. 2015, sorry. Um, he, still didn't, he still didn't recover well. He still didn't hug him. He, he tried to ride it out. Um, and, you know, he was probably in his infancy in his career there. But he's never moved on from that. There hasn't ever been... He talks about being a student in the game and evolving and, you know, wanting to learn tactics and, and be a better all-round fighter. 
that's a problem. And Team AJ, giving him such poor information in the corner, from round 10, the fight was done. Why are you not emptying the tank out? Why are you not going for broke? Why is Rob McCracken not saying to you, AJ, you're about to lose three of the belts. Hmm. You ain't coming back from this. I think that... You need to empty the tank. Well, obviously a couple of things there. I think with what what you're just saying there about Rob McCracken and this sort of approach from Team AJ, with AJ included, and I know this is maybe a criticism he got after the first Ruiz loss, and it's he doesn't seem like he's bothered in a sense and obviously he is like it'd be stupid to say that he doesn't give a shit he clearly does but at the same time i don't think it is as you mentioned there it's not the same as saying to maybe some other fighters you're about to lose three belts i don't think i don't think joshua it's not the biggest thing on his mind i think in his head he's always you know for part of it especially for the second half of that fight he probably thinks well, if I get out of this unscathed, I've got a rematch clause. I can get my belts back. I've got made a shit ton of cash again. The, you know, the, there's not probably not a fire in there which is being lit, and uh, you know that that's a worry in itself. And because b- between now and whenever the rematch is going to take place, this isn't the Ruiz fight where you know Ruiz essentially caught him with, a, as you said, a punch from the gods, and he's rocked yeah. him, and that can happen to anyone. AJ was comprehensively outboxed and there's only so much you could potentially learn in six months to try and rectify that in a rematch. And so it, it, it it's more alarming, I think, this defeat than the Ruiz one. And I think a lot of questions have got to be asked around Rob McCracken, the other people in the corner. You know, there was a lot of voices that weren't giving him very good information. Um, McCracken himself, you know, he didn't, it, that fight didn't reflect very well on him and him as a trainer. Um, and I suppose you can maybe point to the fact that in preparation for this fight, McCracken was out in Japan for the Olympics and stuff like that. Maybe that played a part. I don't know how the camp went. But I think one other thing to do with the fight was Usyk, he, he, he was the one that gained the respect early with a power punch. And if you look at Anthony Joshua, you know, I saw something from Fight Disciples before, I think Nick Peet, and he was talking about Joshua's jab. You know, it, it wasn't thrown without, it wasn't thrown with any conviction. No. Um, he didn't throw the right hand enough. He, and he didn't, you say he wants to become an all-round fighter, but if you look back to previous fights and what, what it was that worked so successfully for him, it was being able to put that pressure on, impose himself on any single person in that division, and he's got the power and the killer instinct to finish them. And if anything, it was the other way around. Usyk got AJ's respect very early and very easily, to be honest. And there was times within the fight, as you mentioned, towards the end, but a couple in a couple of rounds where Usyk could have finished Joshua and staggered them a couple. And it it it, it, it was just quite concerning to watch. There wasn't one point where you thought, oh, "Okay, AJ he's going he's going to you know kick on now." It was it was very passive from him. Yeah, no, it was, and D- Dillian White actually said it afterwards that within in the first round, uh, Usyk hits him with a jab, and instantly he felt that 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 just t- that even at that starting point completely changed the, the 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 complexion of the fight because AJ thought actually he does hit hard, and I've just been caught here. He kept going to the body as well. That was another worry of mine was you know. If you look at the Ruiz fight, the bat, the first one, um, 
he actually gasses him a couple of times, or wins him a couple of times rather, by going to the body, and then you know obviously he he stopped him. But you know, you are right when you say with the Ruiz fight, it was an anomaly. You know, it's heavyweight boxing, and if somebody's lands the the right punch at the right time, it can be lights out. You know, he he was vi- visibly wobbled, and when he got hit in the temple, I think with this one, it was a systematic beatdown. He was outgunned, he was outmaneuvered, um, he was outpointed, clearly, but even towards the end of the fight, Usyk was putting it on him and was actually the, the stronger of the two. I think that... Um, I don't know how he comes back from this if they go through to the, the rematch. I know that he's saying that he wants the rematch to go ahead and apparently when he came out of the, the ring, he was talking about he wants the rematch, he wants the rematch. I I, I would prefer him to get two tune-up fights and he hasn't done a tune-up fight um, for about, what, 10 fights now? But there's an argument to say he needs to go back to the drawing board and, you know, one thing you mentioned there is, you know, what got him to the dance in the first place was just being imposing and, you know, hitting hard and, yeah, probably the first 10 or so fights, nothing was really coming back. But if you, you, if you watch, like, the Molina fight, um, uh, when, he, when he sends his blood and he, he completely takes him right out in the corner, that's vintage AJ. But that, that, that fighter, to me, you know, it's easy to say now, but that fighter, to me, now doesn't exist. Um, and it's like, you know, <laughs> to use the Rocky analogy, he's lost the eye of the tiger um, and he needs to find that. But does he find it because he is worried about being susceptible and maybe getting caught uh, and he doesn't want to get caught? Um, so so I, 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 I think... What would be interesting for the rematch is, I know obviously I was probably one of the people um, who was, you know, winding you up on the weekend for being such an AJ nut hugger and saying this, that and the other, but I, I can promise you it was in jest because I, I obviously we've seen a lot of idiots over the last couple of days, um, you know, talking on social media and saying like he's this, he should retire, he's, you know, he's been found out type of thing. Um, I don't necessarily think that's the case. And I think, you know, but to sit here and say, oh, uh, you know, I saw a thing on Sky Sports and it was like, will Andy Joshua ever be a world champion again? And I think to to jump to these conclusions already, it's it's a bit hasty. I think a promising sign, I suppose, of him wanting to have the rematch and being adamant to that so quickly after the fight and him replaying the fight in his head, what he was saying in his press conference. Um, I think that's good because I think he realises he fucked up. Yeah. And I think he realises the people around him fucked up. And I think he, you know, for, for him to be adamant on that, he, it's promising. If they can go away and come up with a good game plan, because the, what happened at the weekend does not mean Anthony Joshua's a bad fighter. No, of course And, you know... Usyk is a, he is the, by far the best boxer in the heavyweight division. Probably one of the best ever boxers within a, pure boxers in that division. But that doesn't mean Anthony Joshua isn't more than capable of beating him. It's just finding the right way to do it. And or he's got the benefits of having a second time round. And I think his focus should be on that. I don't I think if he delays it much longer by taking tune up fights and things like that, 
look, you're at the top of the heavyweight division. You know, th- these are the fights that are, are going to come your way if you want to be a champ. Do you know what I mean? Not everyone has the benefits. I mean, look at Tyson Fury fighting, you know, the bouncer from the dog and duck and Otto Waller and stuff like that. Now, now that he's champ, after that, Wilder's had sorry, Fury's had going obviously be in this fight with Wilder, or he's not going to fight. Like I wouldn't be convinced that even if if Usyk beat AJ, not that they're related, but I don't think Fury has any interest in fighting someone like Usyk. Mm-hmm. I don't think he ever would fight him. So he'd rather just sit there and not fight. I think once you're at this top level and you've got belts and this is the, you want to be the guy, the tuna fighter from the past. Well, I mean, look, there, there's there's another argument to this. Like, again, you know, taking the um, the aspect of um, you know being an AJ not hugger, but you know, he, all he has fought is what's been put out in front of him in terms of rankings, and you know, if you look at you know win loss records, etc., he has fought, and I use it in inverted commas, but the upper echelon of what the division has to offer, right? Unlike Wilder, unlike Fury, but that's a different argument for a different day. This was always going to happen if you are fighting top caliber opponents. You're never ever going to come away with a zero record and he hasn't right so now is the chance and i'm going to say it does he stick with rob mccracken mm-hmm. because yeah. if you look at lennox lewis for example right lennox got sparked out twice he got a you know a, a flash knockdown from all of mccall and then obviously he had to go back to square one and he and he he was concerned susceptible to to you know, taking a shot like like they, they all are, but he found a way to change his style. Now AJ's had that to a certain extent with Ruiz, um, and then went back into you know very much safety focus first, and then he, there was kind of a blend between that Ruiz fight and the Pouliev fight where he was a little bit more gung ho. I I I do think he needs to go back to being you know I'm putting it all on the table and I'm going to go for it, but. I wonder if Rob McCracken will still be in his corner come the rematch if it does go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, it's an interesting conversation and I think Rob McCracken's got a lot of explaining to do to Joshua in terms of what the preparations are like for that fight because the strategy that he came up with was just bizarre. And I think you're absolutely right when you say he needs to go back to a gung-ho style because... Look, it's all great when wanting to improve, wanting to be this great all-round boxer. He doesn't have the the miles under the belt, essentially. No. Uh, he didn't have much of an amateur career, but obviously no. he won an Olympic yeah, gold yeah. medal. But, you know, Usyk had 390-odd fights as an amateur. Tyson Fury had been fighting since he was, a, you know, a young lad. I think Joshua picked up the gloves when he was 18, 19 or something yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah. And, you know, he got through the Olympics through the early part of his career and learnt on the job but by just being this brute force and it's yeah. fine say so you want it, you know the sweet science x y and z you're not gonna learn that now there's no way and you can improve and you can tighten up little things but one day you're not gonna walk into the gym be bouncing now like muhammad ali and you know completely outclassing people and yeah. i think that they need to realize that and try and curb aj's probably desire to want to be you know, this sort of Floyd Mayweather of the heavyweight division because he's not going to he's not gonna be able to lay a glove on people like Usyk and Fury and that's not through any fault of his own. It's just more the fact that they've just got the miles on the clock and he hasn't.
Yeah, 100%. And, and it, it, everything you said I agree with. I think as well, another aspect of this is the, the boo boys or those that are negative towards AJ have outshone what really should be the crowning achievement for Usyk because it was a phenomenal, phenomenal performance from him. And he is world class. And for him to take a step up to cruiserweight and do what he did, and, and let's be honest, in a couple of lackluster heavyweight bouts previously, it was just the perfect foil for him. AJ, in this current mould, is is cannon fodder for him. Um, and, you know, like I've already said, and I think we talked at nauseam in, in, in podcasts before about, um, you know, why I thought AJ would beat Fury. I'll be honest with you, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw my hands up. On that performance... Fury yeah. would have his way with him, and that's a fact. And uh, now, I think it will be very interesting. I, part of me thinks as well, with the rematch, I don't think anything will be decided until what Fury Wilder has um, has been settled, because I can still see, um, and I know you've just you've just said you don't think Fury will want Usyk, but I think there'll there'll be a power play to try and get the the belts completely undisputed and I, I want to take your steer on this because Roy Jones Jr. said that Fury versus uh, Usyk would be a terrible fight. I, I disagree. I, I, it's not going to be fireworks. It's not going to be you know entertaining value but the two of them in together I would be very very interested to see what would happen. Well I think it would resemble a almost an amateur fight if i'm honest in terms you know a, a maybe a gold medal fight of you know uh, massively based on point scoring i think yeah. you know it, it's it's as you mentioned it's not going to be a firefight where we're going to see a knockout um but fiori and usik will be a good technical battle um it'd obviously be interesting to see the approach of someone like fiori because he will probably be able to back himself to say i can i can box I, I can go toe to toe boxing wise with Usyk, um. So it'd be interesting to see his approach, but I, I honestly, I, to be honest, I don't really want to see it. I think it'd be interesting if it if it you know happened, and I'd obviously buy it and it'd be there. But I, I wouldn't really want to see it. I don't. I honestly don't think Fury would want to fight him, and, and it's not because I don't think he doesn't think he could beat him. I honestly just think he'd be like, I really couldn't give a shit about fighting him. Just I, I don't think he could be asked fighting him personally. I don't think it'd be something that'd excite him, get him out of bed at five in the morning to go running for uh, a fight. And the the thing about the Fury Joshua fights is obviously the undisputed. Yeah. But I also think Fury couldn't have also give a shit about the undisputed title. It was something that it was bragging rights. It was I'm the yeah. king of Britain. I'm the best fighter on these shores. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. th- that's the. You know, Fury sort of your working class every man, isn't he? Against this sort of manufactured brand AJ, I think he he sees all that, and that's what was will get him up for it, and that's why he was excited for that fight. And same with Wilder, everyone called him. You know, he doesn't really want to fight Wilder this time, but the second time round, you know, this fearsome knockout artist, and he absolutely bludgeoned him. Where I don't see what the selling point to Fury is of fighting Usyk, apart from obviously millions of pounds, but he got that. How how do you think uh, his style would gel against Fury and Wilder? I think with Wilder, I think he would probably have a field day. I I, I think he would arguably make it look easier than he did with AJ on, on that showing. With Fury, I'm not sure. 
I think Fury's still too big. Um, but I would, I, I would actually love to see it. I'd, I'd yeah, well, that's it. I think Fury would win personally. Yeah. Um, if they were to fight, I, I really wouldn't want to see Usyk against Wilder. If I'm perfectly honest with you, because it'd probably be one of the most embarrassing things that we've seen in the boxing ring for quite yeah, some yeah. time. Yeah. Um, everyone knows that Wilder can't box, so, um, and I think there's more chance of me winning the lottery than I'm landing one of them right hands on Alexander Usyk. <laughs> yeah. So, um. Yeah, I, I don't know. It probably resemble Mayweather versus Logan Paul. I'd imagine <laughs> that yeah. that'd probably be what I could compare it to. Um, where do you think Isaac stands now in terms of being an all-time great? Because I think if he is to um, clear out the division and become undisputed, as 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 big as that is, I, I think we're talking about a genuine top ten heavyweight of all time. Oh, 100%. It, look, if he can beat Joshua in this rematch, um, and, you know, if he does fight a Fury or a Wild, then he manages to win them, or well, even regardless, if he manages to get all the belts without fighting one of them in some form of circumstance, look, you're talking about one of the best fighters of all time, period, I think. You know, obviously heavyweight, but look what he did in the cruiserweight division, and you look look at that division, and yeah. was it, he'd be... Glowacki and um, Breedis, Marco Hook, all the way from home as well. Um, And how effortless he sort of stepped up to heavyweight. Um, And even looking back at them, Witherspoon, Charles Witherspoon and um, Chisora fights. Now we can visibly see he just didn't even get out of second gear for them because he just didn't even have to. Like, you know, everyone was like, oh, you know, are these going to be a bit big for him? No, he just knows that he, he... he he knows how to win them fights very easily. It, it yeah. you know, it, it the level that he's on is ridiculous. And honestly, Alexander Alexander Usyk, when all is said and done, is going to be one of the best fighters we've seen in the last 10, 20 years at least. Um, he's absolutely phenomenal. I I honestly love the fact that look, I would have preferred AJ to do the business, but I, I was I was saying on Saturday night upon reflection. This is actually the best thing that could have probably happened in the division because it's thrown another name into the division, right? The the amount of matchups, exciting matchups that he could have now that isn't going to be the issue with I think the the, the biggest problem with the, the, the top three, and I'll still throw AJ into that, but AJ Fury Wilder, it's egocentric, it's full of promoters that don't like one another, it's TV companies, etc. I mean Alexander Usyk, I know that he's with uh, Matchroom, but you know, in terms of getting him to agree to fight, he's going to be so much more easily worked on to go and fight the, the other two than a probably AJ would have been, because I don't think there's there is much red tape, etc. that they need to go through. Um, so, I, look, I think it just, at the end of the day, all I wanted it to happen was people to be talking about the fight, and heavyweight is 100% Really, really exciting now. Yeah, well, that's it. And you've got Dillian White to factor in now. And I think from his perspective as well, he's probably made up that Usyk done the business because, one, there's more chance of him getting a mandatory shot at him. Um, And also, that sets up a, you know, Joshua, if he gets beat in the rematch against Usyk, what's the natural next fight that you're going to make? It's Anthony Joshua, Dillian White, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? So... You know, I think it 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 makes his route to a title or a big, you know, marquee fight a lot better as well. So, it, I I agree with you there. It has been good for the division. 
do you know what? The, the whole card in, uh, overall was decent. I mean, Lawrence Acoli, I mean, like, he just he's just workman like performance. He just comes up with the goods. Like I know he's not been the most entertaining fighter over the past few fights, but over the past two fights alone, he's already knocked out uh, his opponents. And Marius Bredis is surely next for him. Um, he was he was yeah. in the crowd. I think he he um he posted something on social media saying Lawrence, I see you. Um, hmm. Lawrence O'Coley needs a name like that as much as a name value Bredis has, but yeah. it's about time that um, the whole public started getting behind him because you know, he's, he's a big boy and he hits hard. Yeah, well, that's it. I think it's that's definitely the fight to make, and it? You probably decide in the top two in the division there as yeah, well, aren't yeah. you, between O'Coley and Bredis? Yeah. Um, I, I forget who, to be honest, I forget who the other champions are within the division, but um, yeah, I think that's got to be the fight to make and Akoli he's, he's stepped it up you know the source he's um stepped it up particularly in his last few fights so you know fucking power to him Get, give him so, the Bradis fight and then you know that puts him on another level within that division Bradis has got the IBF and he's also got the ring uh, belt and then obviously Lawrence has got the WBO and uh Tony Bellew's old foe, Makabu, is the WBC cruiserweight champ. How is he? Is he back up and there? Then we've got, yeah, and then we've got the super world cruiserweight champ is Arzan Gularamareni, and he has got a 26-0 record. Well, yeah, it's shaping up nicely then. But I think you'd probably say Bradis is still the man in the division, but if yeah. Coley can beat yeah. him, then he's holding all the cards, and he's another one. He'll have his eye on a sneaky move up to heavyweight over the next couple of years as well. Definitely. De- and especially with the, the, the supposed rumours that Coley's the man who's uh, sparked out AJ and Sparring as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there you go. Look, in, in some other um, news, if we just go down the card, Carl Smith had a scary, scary KO against Lennon Castillo. The guys. I'll be honest, I haven't seen him. Oh my oh god, my Sammy. It was scary. He 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 caught him with just a, a clean check right hook. He fell, but his his head stayed up, but his foot, his left foot, stayed like straight and started shaking. And he looked as though like he was completely dumbfounded. And then they they basically got the stretcher in, they got the gas in the air. He was moving his arms about and he got taken just as precaution. And thankfully, he's okay. But, I mean, it was scary. Like, super scary. Calm Smith, good to see. That's him moved up to light heavyweight now, yeah? Because yeah. the guy he fought, he, 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 he's fought a couple of champions and stuff and stuff like that. It was, is he, he's gone the distance with Bivol and things like that. And obviously, Smith's made a statement there by knocking him out so devastatingly. So... It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Callum and what route they try and take within um, Light Heavy because, I mean, I think Bivol's on the match room now. Is, uh, yeah. um, that's yeah. probably what they're going to try and gear towards, isn't it? Get an old British fight going. Calm Smith against, um, what's his name? The man. Um... It's Callum Johnson as Anthony Yard. No, the... Uh... Lyndon Yard. AJ, AJ manages him. Oh, Boatsy. Yeah, Boatsy. Sorry. I don't think Boatsy wants that smoke. Well, I mean, he probably does, but I think, um, I don't think Eddie, because Boatsy's a potential cash cow, isn't he, I suppose? Yeah, yeah. And 
I don't know. He, he, I think they're moving him up to like European level or something next. That's the r- rumor on the grapevine. But I, I don't. I, I mean, Smith had denied like Buatti. In my oh, opinion, he wouldn't. Yeah, he would. What? <laughs> Shut up. Do you think Buatti would be Callum Smith? Yeah, I do. I handily. Do this is one what what one bad one bad result against the best pound for pound fighter in the world and no, then... no 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 not even before that John Ryder beat Callum Smith yeah don't forget that don't forget it don't forget it no well, he did better than expected but let's <laughs> um talking about hometown judging Campbell Hatton gets away with it again fucking hell yeah. watch that back I mean it's bad. <laughs> It's it's really really bad. I mean, and I I hate knocking him because he is a young guy and he's starting out. But you are getting thrown in at the deep end eight thirty on a Saturday night on an AJ card. You are third from the main event. What are they doing? Like, like why why couldn't Campbell Hatton go and get fifteen amateur fights under his belt? Why does he have to be thrown in at the deep end straight away? And again. Look, you can say Eubank and Ben. The difference between Eubank and Ben, they actually showed some some real um, early talent from the get-go. I'll be honest with you, Campbell Hatton shows me nothing that makes me think he will ever, ever get to the upper echelon. I hope I'm wrong, but there's nothing I see in him that I haven't seen from somebody who is an amateur or somebody that's got a, a a negative record on them, and I think you're you're hanging them out to dry, and I I think it's it's really bad for his development. I think you you mentioned Eubank and Ben there. I think if you look at the sort of lineage that they came from, boxing wise, and they, you know, Chris Eubank or senior Nigel Ben, they were you know top quality fighters, weren't they? In terms of they were great, but they could punch and they had a bit of flair as well, in a sense and particularly Eubank, and um, I think if, you know, that that seemed to have rubbed off on the Suns, even though you'd say Connor was quite raw, but you could yeah. tell he was nasty and, he, he, you know, he was vicious. Hatton, and if you look at, obviously, Ricky Hatton, who's probably one of everyone's favourite fighters from these shows of all time, but at the yeah. same time, not, not just in general, as a sort of character, um, a lot of his fights that he won were won on sort of heart and grit, weren't they? And you know, not not too dissimilar to maybe a Carl Froch or something like that. You know, it wasn't, it was never the best boxer, never, never very technical. No, it wasn't necessarily the biggest puncher either. But he he could get in and rough you up and make life difficult in a sort of Sean Portery way, um, and I think that that's maybe what Campbell Hatton's inherited. Yes, yeah, so you were saying about Campbell Hatton. Um, yeah, and his old man, you know, his old man is a different beast altogether. And I think you you touched upon it there. Actually, he had the heart, and that that's the the, the biggest thing about him. A little bit like Bellew, it was his heart that got him through some of the tough slogs. But I just, I'm never knocking anybody who has the balls to step up and go and fight in the ring and play punch face with somebody. You know, you have my instant respect, but. What does Campbell Hatton have to prove? Like I don't, I don't get it. Like, I, I just, I look at like, he's come to a decision when he's like eighteen. He went, I want to be like my dad, and I'm like, right, I'm going to try and fight, and then that's it. 
I've got, I've got, so I, I mean, my, my ears on the ground, so it's like Sherlock Holmes with me, you know, sea of homeless kids that just report information from the streets back to me. Um, but um, I, I've got it on, <laughs> I've got it on good um, authority that, to be honest, he's a bit of a scrot, um, and he's, you know, he's got a kid and. Um, right, you know, okay. he's although sort of famous dad, and he's obviously probably had a few quid. He's still sort of grown up as a bit of a little shit on the streets of like arse end of Lancashire, Greater Manchester type of thing. Um, right, okay. So, you know, I think maybe that the factor of it is not just oh yeah, well yeah, I'm gonna be like my dad, but more just shit. I'm like eighteen now. I need to do something. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I think that's probably more of a accurate you know, representation of what how he's come to be on the fucking undercard of an AJ fight. I'd really be interested to know how much he's actually getting paid for all this. Because what like reckon? I, I reckon he'd say about fifty grand. Yeah. And that's maybe me being a little bit too light on what he's actually seeing. Third third from from the main event. Yeah, maybe fifty grand. Still starting out. I mean yeah. nice, nice work, work if you can get it. That's all right. Now, my favourite fighter in the entire card bar, AJ, was fighting Florian Marku <laughs> versus Maxim Prodan. Excellent fight. And, you know, yes, he eked the decision, but Marku's hype train keeps flowing, and I'm all aboard with it. Connor Ben versus Marku at the O2, before the Christmas, make it happen. That is a banger. Yeah, I don't think Conor Ben's going to even no, give him the satisfaction, it. but I mean, we'd <laughs> no. all be there for it. And yeah, Florian Marku, just that's going to be a good win on his record, that a good notch on yeah. his belt. A bit more hard fought, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Look, at he, he, he was also a bit tasty beforehand as well in the days leading up to the fight. So he, he's, you know, keep feeding him live opponents, man. He, he's he's going to be money every single time, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I mean, he's, he's, he's gritty as well. Like, he just digs down deep. And, and again, you know, like I think we spoke about it the last time we were talking about him. You know, he doesn't move like a typical MMA fighter coming into boxing. Like, he is actually, like, fluid. He, 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 his shot distribution's good. And he's tough as fuck. I mean, like, just, there's no question about it. He is made of the sterner stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, look, the rough and rugged Albanian guy. I mean, yeah. he's not going to be a difficult. Sorry, he's going to be a difficult guy to sort of get out your face, isn't he? Yeah. So, where do UFC two six six? Despite that whole excitement of AJ, there was an amazing, amazing pay per view in UFC. And one thing that Sammy sent me a message on Sunday morning was put some respect on Alex the Great Volkanovski. And I will 100% concede that that man is awesome. And I hope he gets paid very, very well, even though Oscar Dollar had a little dig at, um, at Dana about how much he was actually going to get paid for it. <laughs> but that was a phenomenal fight. An amazing, an amazing featherweight bout. Probably one of the best I've seen um, in, in a while. Um, how on earth did Alex the Great get out of those fucking subs? Um, unbelievable. And that, like, that fight, I mean, to be fair, I think, like, the fight was an absolute banger. Fair play to Ortega, but, I mean, I think in realistic, Volkanovski, 
handled. I think he, you know, he he beat him up, quite frankly. But yeah. that it was the third round where obviously there was the couple of submission attempts. Um, that the the level of just determination on Volkanovski's face and Brian Ortega is obviously a very very high level jujitsu yeah. practitioner, and he. If he couldn't get it done against against Volkanovski, there, it, it, weirdly watching it and watching it back, not at not one point at not one point did I think Volkanovski is going to tap, or or is he going to like, no, not one part of me thought that, and and it's bizarre, and I don't know if it's whether because I actually really like him so much, but I, I just thought nah, like, he's going to stay in this, he's going to stay in this, and he did. And he almost then finished Ortega at the end of the round with the fucking ground and pound. Um, he's he's incredible. He's and you know if he beats Holloway again, he's the hands down greatest featherweight of all time. So, I I never ever doubt anybody's bravery for for both sides of the fighting, right? For MMA and boxing, yeah. But and and for what little and I and I caveat this little little <laughs> experience and exposure I have to BJJ just now I'm now in my tenth lesson right and I get fucking subbed left right and center <laughs> constantly I get used and abused by blue belts etc and I get well and truly humbled right so watching that and watching how good like you've just pointed out Brian Ortega isn't just some sort of, oh, he's got a black belt. Brian Ortega has a black belt from Henner Gracie, right? Gracie lineage. Brian Ortega is, if you watched any of his fights, he's been able to use his BJJ as a Hail Mary and get out of some fights that he wasn't even winning. You know, for example, I think uh, Renato Marcao, he was close to losing, um, manages to drop him, subs him. He was losing the... Um, Who's the crazy guy with the, the um, curly hair? He comes down to um, uh, red hot chili peppers all the time. Uh, he beat... Uh, oh, shit. This is not going well. What's his name? He beat Anthony Pettis in his foot debut. And he's an old school guy. Clay Guida. The carpenter. Clay Guida. Clay Guida, right? Yeah. Clay Guida is kicking Brian Ortega's ass. And Brian Ortega somehow manages to use his BJJ and subs him out. Okay, so his when he he got that choke on the guillotine choke, and for Alex to just stay calm, not feel like he's drowning, and somehow manage to get out of it. I think you know. Look, I'm not taking anything away from Volkanovski by any stretch. I think the beating that. Brian had taken the three rounds previously, had a lot to do with his energy levels as well. So he didn't manage to just hook the choke the way he wanted to, but he still got a leg, a let tried to get a leg submission of him. It's just Alex Alex the Great, he, uh, he pissed me off when he beat Holloway the second time around, and I've never I've never really warmed to him. But this is the type of fight that you just think, wow. I mean, these guys are made of just different gravy. Um, it's unbelievable. I would prefer Brian Ortega now to to reflect on things. That for me is what that's his second big bout in the space of twenty four months, and two of those fights he's taken an absolute beating. Um, you know, Volkanovski wasn't as big a beating as Holloway was, 
but his face was still mashed up. Um, I'd actually like, you know, classic here, but I'd, I would like to see him move up and wait. I just don't... What's left for him to prove now? Because, you know, he's going to be so far away from getting another title shot. Does anybody really want to see Volkanovski and um, Max Holloway use him as a heavy bag? I, I don't want to see that anymore. Uh, I just think that maybe not cutting down so much weight and going up to lightweight. You know, people used to say all the time that if there was one person's jiu-jitsu to beat Habib, Brian Ortega would be an interesting matchup. Let's see how he d- does in the heavier waters. That's just personal uh, ob- observation. Yeah, well, I mean that that's that's a good shout. But uh, to be to be honest, off the back of that, the thing that I was most excited about was trying to figure out what's next for Volkanovski because yeah, yeah. I know he's going to fight the winner of Holloway and Yaya Rodriguez, but um, look, I think I'm so there for Volkanovski versus Cejudo, like <laughs> so there, like it's incredible, and also I wouldn't mind watching Volkanovski go up in weight as well if there was a big fight there. So I know obviously Connor had his Twitter fingers out oh, there, me. That's God. never gonna happen. But um, you know, at the the fight to make for me personally is the Volkanovski versus Cejudo fight. Like definitely, I know everyone on moan give Max it, and Max will get it, and I love Max Holloway. But he's also been beaten twice by Vol- Volkanovski, and it's like once, once, once. Uh, well, twice officially. It's it, it it's maybe a draw depending on how he's got the second one, and um. But the Suhudo fight, that's money as well. Yeah. Then he could be quadruple is. C. It is. And do you know what? I, I would like to see Henry Suhudo come back now. And I think that that is the type of fight that would. Um, I, I think that would sell. I, I do think it would. I mean, Alexander is now getting. Um, you know, I think that the, he was trending um, on Twitter. The Rock was shouting him out as well. So the mainstream are starting to get to, to know who this person is. And I think, you know, I, I, I want him to, when, when you hover, it wasn't so much a war, but, you know, he, he was sort of, you know, dusted up a little bit by Ortega as well. You just hope that he sees a lot of money out of that. And if Holloway beats Yari Rodriguez, I think the world will definitely go down that route. But, I would love to see them, um, him fight Sudo. I think it'd be a great fight. It would be. He'd very beat Sudo as well. Huh? He'd beat Sudo as well. Yeah, I think he would. Yeah, I think he would. He would. It's, it's just be his pace. Is his unwavering pace is just. I mean, he's next level. Like he, he's just his ability to um, use his footwork again. And, and strike in and out, and it's just this unrelenting pace. That's what, but I don't think Ortega was ready for that. Um, you know, towards the end, I think he was really, really struggling, like really struggling physically with it. Um, so yeah, I mean, Henry said it'll be a great fight. It would be a great fight. Um, do we need to speak about Shevchenko versus Lauren Murphy? Because yeah, Shevchenko yeah. just dominated again. Next fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's look, amazing, like, though, isn't she? Like, it has to. Honestly, I feel like we we say this at the end of every Shevchenko Nunes fight. Just make the trilogy. Make it yeah, happen. Yeah. Get, well, again, going back to them. Make get them paid. Get them paid. 
Yeah, well, the, the thing is, there is a big money fight, though, for Shevchenko, and it's probably the person, the only person aside from Amanda Nunes who probably has the kryptonite to beat her, which is being able to take a ferocious amount of punishment and then keep coming back. Molly Meatball, UFC Liverpool, <laughs> Shevchenko versus Meatball for yes, the title. I like that. I like it. That sells yeah. as well. Yeah, I like, I like, I like your style there. Yeah, I, I, I'm down for that as well. Uh, meatball Molly for the belt for all the marbles. I love that. That'd be, love that. That'd be amazing. The Nick Diaz fight I've watched again, and and I'll be honest with you, it's probably being a Nick Diaz fanboy in me that makes me think. Why did he do it? What's left for him to prove? And he looked fucking sluggish. Now, you can talk about, oh, the boxing combos were there. He didn't want to be there. He didn't want to be there. And the Nick Diaz of old, the Nick Diaz of 10 years ago that got dropped would get back up and would find a way to win. The Nick Diaz that's 38 years old and had a dad bought on him. Yeah. It's like, I don't like this. And I don't like it. It was bizarre to see, like, I mean, obviously, he didn't want to be there because he couldn't be asked. He couldn't be asked making weight. He looked phenomenal, like, three, four months ago. Yeah. Like, phenomenal. He's in great. Yeah, he was in the best shape ever. I don't know if that's because, you know, back in you saw the testing pool or something (laughs) like that. But um, obviously, he looked awful, like, physically awful. Yeah. I know, and watching it, I don't know, it was tough. Obviously, he, his output was still there, even though it was about five seconds slower than usual. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, it. I, I, I'd i be interested to see him again once more, but if he was in shape. But I'd prefer him to not be in 185, though. Like, go down that's what I mean, that's mean I want him to go back. I want him to be in 170. Uh, go back, to, get to one seventy, and be because if he if he's in shape, he is probably around just over one seventy. Yeah, he's not he's not someone who's like you know ripped with muscles coming out walking around at one eighty five. He get when he's at, in good shape, he probably is close to that. I'd want to see him give it a proper go, not just like oh shit, I'm fighting Robbie Lawler. I don't want to fight Robbie Lawler. I'm just I can't be asked making weight now, like. You know, and I'm, I'm, that might have been to do with the matchmaking, to be fair. But I, I, on the flip side of that, you've got, you know, all right, do you put him in with a live body then and he just gets absolutely murdered by someone? That's your flip side of it. That's what the only it? thing that's going to get him up for it. What about Darren Till versus Nick Diaz? That's, like, unbelievable matchmaking. Look, UFC Liverpool, main event, Nick Diaz versus um, Darren Till at 170. Let them bang. Let them ban. I'm there for that. But like, I'm wondering if there was. He was alluding to something that happened during the camp throughout the the you know the press the pressers etc. And I'm wondering because they then were like, oh yeah, now it's it's now it's middleweight. And the way that he looked in terms of what you said as well from a few months ago. I'm wondering if, if something has happened and he has been carrying an injury and he couldn't pull out the fight. Um, and he's just had to get on with it, um, because he just didn't, he didn't look right. Yeah, he looked. Fu- he just, I don't know. It was bizarre. It was great. I, it was actually nice seeing him back. I, I, I've watched it back and I preferred it the second time to the first time, but I think that was because it was pissed. And I mean, it, the the telly was moving slow anyway. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it, was, it looked even slower with Nick Diaz throwing shots. But um, 
I, I do want to see him again. I saw someone mention on Twitter Diego Sanchez. You see, look, they, they fought before. I'm not mad at that. They fought before. It's another one where, you know, I know that Robbie obviously, you know, emptied the tank as well, but, you know, they're both probably in the same level of just how war-torn they are. I'd be happy to see that. I would have actually liked to see him fight Tyron Woodley or somebody, but I know Woodley's no longer in the UFC, but that's another, if there can be such a thing, safer fight for him. Yeah, or the battle of the dad bods, but get Ben Askren back in there. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, look, I was going to say, and and uh, Jessica Andrade is the best flyweight, not named Shevchenko, um, bar meat bomb Wally, obviously. Um, <laughs> she's just awesome. I love watching her fight. She just throws everything with reckless abandonment. Those hooks, those punches. I mean, Cynthia Calvillo was literally lighting her up a little bit as well. And she just kept coming forward, kept coming forward. Um, you know, it's a shame that, you know, Andrade is in a flyweight division that has the best female fighter, bar Amanda Nunes, in it. Uh, so I don't know what you do with her. I think you maybe give her the Joanna Jonjet stick rematch um i think it could be a fun fight night card um but i don't know what else to do with her now yeah well that's it i mean she um she look i think she looks a lot better look for flyweight as well i know she won the title let's draw away but you know she, she she's a big girl isn't she so it, it it's nice seeing her sort of come forward and you know knock, knocking people out again yeah and then we'll, we'll have to give a shout out to probably the best fight of the night marlon marias versus mirad divashvili um how he came back from that. I think Marlon Marias is now done as a UFC fighter, unfortunately. I think he's going to be getting his matching papers um, for the third time um, in his many fights. He's just not been able to take the victory despite looking you know, really bright from, from right off the get-go. And then you know, kudos to Dan Hooker for all the trials and tribulations that he had trying to get the fight to finally get in it, um, and you know he 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 deserved his victory as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. It, it was a nice little happy ending, especially for the visa guys, wasn't yeah. it? With yeah. um, Dan Hooker, and he and he called out uh, Ferguson or Derayush, didn't yes. he, for yes. his next one? Which I think are, you know they're both bangers if he can get them made. 100%. Yeah, I'd be up. I'd, I'd be up for seeing any of those fights. Um, Look, we've got this week, we've got MVP versus Diego Lima 2 in London for Bellator. Thiago Santos fighting Johnny Walker in an entertaining main event for the UFC. And then in boxing, Chris Eubank Jr.'s debut, I believe, on Sky, Box, on Sky Boxing now. And David Avanesian versus Liam Taylor for the European Welterweight title. The thing I would say is I loved how Sky we're trying to really promo the next generation. We've got Josh Taylor, Chris Eubank, the threw in Terence Crawford in the mix there, masking thing. Look, we're still open for business. We've still got good yeah, fighters, yeah. <laughs> even though Eddie's fucked us over. Um, <laughs> so we, we saw that about three or four times throughout the night. Um, but it should be a good fight. I mean, look, it's a chin-up fight for Eubank. I'll be interested to see what he does next. His opponent pulled out with COVID earlier today, didn't he? And now they've got an even more unknown, um, you know, guy that's coming as a late replacement oh, so from like Uzbekistan. He's not fighting Sven Elber now. No, he pulled out ah, with COVID. Right, okay. Um, one final thing for me, uh, news and noteworthy: 
during the week uh, of the AJ fight, we had the Canelo Alvarez, Caleb Plant presser and handbags <laughs> at dawn. Like, to start with, when I watched it, I was like, Canelo still has the moves. He's still able to be evasive. But then what ends up happening is Caleb Plant did actually manage to connect him uh, when he slapped him. He did get him, but Canelo did the goods. And obviously, with a, a couple of... Didn't want to break his um, fist, so he gave him a couple of little palm slaps. I loved every minute. I'm actually really looking forward to that fight now. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it in the sense of it's going to be interesting watching Plant get punished. But, I mean, I, it, was, it, it was bittersweet for me watching him get punched because I... I think Canelo's gonna really, you know, put a clinic on, and it's it's bold to make Canelo mad, and it's it's but it's nice seeing, you know, the little scuffle. Yeah. Um, but aside from the fact that he is gonna get annihilated, I was really pro Plant in terms of how he approached the press conference, in terms of calling out, you know, <laughs> Reynoso's pharmacy, and you know, like he just didn't care, and a lot of the stuff that he said needed to be said. Um. And so while I wish him well in his pursuit of beating Canelo, I don't think it's going to win very well. But I, I think I, I, I'll be buying it and, you know, I'll have me, it should be a good watch. I would just like to point out that any any time Canelo says motherfucker now, it's the best <laughs> thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm glad he said that. Uh, so, yeah, there we go. Sammy, hopefully this episode does actually get out. Boris, you've got a lot to answer for, son. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but we will be back next week thank you again Sammy always good oh, always thank you very good. much brother Cheers, thanks for listening bye thanks so much for listening we'll be back next week